You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. All right, we don't have anything to talk about today. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. If somebody likes it. That was the uh, Dolly Parton's Jolene version of the um, Somebody Likes It intro. That we I was going to say it was the punk rock intro. Well, no, it was punk rock. At first, I was going to say it was the Ramones version of it, but then every but Dolly Parton trumps Dolly the Parton Ramones. Jolene even trumps <laughs> the Ramones. We know that, right? It's, the, it's true. Maybe the shortest full-length album ever released. If we ever get lower than 24 minutes, I don't know what I'll do, but... Hey, man, I've I got a goal now. It's like covering an EP. Well, it sh- it sounds like it should be an EP, but there's like no, there's on it. oh yeah, full length, full length, full length record, yeah. But you know, but th- th- to its credit, you know, whatever, like records really weren't that much longer than that at the time. I mean, you couldn't really have a long side; you were like subject to two sides. You know, yeah. I mean, they had double albums. Yeah. If you wanted to do uh, right, but it, still, they were longer than that. But I'd say like you know, not too much longer than thirty minutes. Would be a, a typical album at the time. Well, we we're used to like shit in the in the CD age, in post CD age, like sixty you can, minutes. You can pack like seventy or eighty minutes. Or what, yeah. what is what is a CD like? A, what, I like seventy seven, seventy two minutes or something. I think it's right around that. seventy minutes. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, know. Celebrity Death Watch, Jay Giles, I believe. Uh, yeah, Jay Giles of the. the you blood, know what? His what, blood does run cold. What? Are you, oh man, that's. Have you been saving that all fucking day? <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was in third grade, Angel in the Centerfold was not Angel in the Centerfold. Actually, well, the just, song the song's just, just called just, Centerfold, but or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right? Okay, okay so you're correct. But I didn't. I'd never actually heard the song, and probably till I was in high school, I just knew the the riff. You know, like the oh yeah, it was no 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 no, and it was all over at MTV at that yeah, time. Yeah, there was this. Yeah. There it was, was this huge in Houston. It was like the biggest thing. Yeah, dude, it was like the hit I, of summer. No, or no, no. We all sang it. I just knew the riff. We would sing the riff. I mean, you got to remember, I lived in a fucking town of nine hundred people. Uh, there were no radio stations. Um, They're just people singing things they'd heard third hand. No, that some people had older <laughs> brothers that could buy <laughs> tapes and like records this, at the time. <laughs> So, this so one this, goes like this. You had an age limit on your, your <laughs> ability to buy tapes hey man, and records? I, didn't, I wasn't – look, if you got an allowance when I was a fucking kid, it was like a dollar a week or Go less. down to the general store and pay two bits to get your hum from the – Oh, yeah, like a, a, local, a local. Yeah. Yeah, you go, go into the tax store and buy <laughs> some hard candy. It kind of was like that. You know what? In the, in the, there was one little bitty kind of grocery store. It closed at 6 p.m., and there were like the little chupa-chupes. They, like the, they only the candy, sold gingham. Oh, yeah, the know? things that you could like uh, get the little helicopter things for them and yes. like, spin them in the air. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is correct. Anyway, that's We're getting off track. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy just today. Yeah. Charlie Murphy. That happened. Yeah. Um, who I guess is tangentially related. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's music-related or not, but will always be – the the most famous for the two music related sketches that he we played basketball with Prince with Prince and then also um, Rick James bitch you know <laughs> yeah. like him being the person telling the story that enabled Dave Chappelle to insert himself in and to be accosted at amusement parks by total strangers yelling I'm Rick James bitch, bitch. yeah yeah the, you know what though at the end of the day he's cashing those checks so 
Yeah, R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. Uh, lesser known than that, but kind of a local celebrity in Austin, at least for a while, was my intern coordinator at KNAC 107.7. Uh, FM. It was the first uh, alternative radio station in Austin. Uh, his name was Tim Davis, uh, better known if you've been in Austin for a long time. He was the DJ uh, Ken Fusion, which they called each other oh, that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. They called each other that in the station when they weren't on the air. Like the, the various jocks would like whatever their air name was, just I guess so they wouldn't slip up. But they would refer to each other that way, and it always freaks me out a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's sort of like a nickname, though. You know, like people once once a nickname sets in, they do they use the air quotes. I mean, you could tell, like, no, they yeah. would just call yeah. each other that, like it was super normal, Ken, and it, it just it weirded me out a little bit. No, do you no. refer to him as Ken Fusion, or do you say, hey, Ken? Or I always called Mr. him Tim. Fusion? I always Mr. called Fusion. him Tim. Well, no, yeah. no, like, the, like yeah. the two DJs would be passing each other in the hallway, and they'd be nodding to each other like, Ken, like, hey, Dog? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but my favorite story about that guy, my favorite story about that guy is one night, doffing. one time we'd been hanging out or something, yes. and he decided that at the next intern meeting um, that we're going to tell everybody that my new nickname is Corn. And when they ask why, the only answer we're going to tell them is, uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> and it worked perfectly. So did people call you corn while you were an intern? Uh, not for that long, maybe for that day. But um, I think so, eventually we told them that we did it specifically to get that reaction from them. So it, was like, it was like the whole Papa Wheelie kind of thing. That's some funny-ass shit, man. <clears throat> One of these days we have to so talk Ken about Fusion So passed. Ken Fusion passed like two days ago. I still don't know what the circumstances were, and he wasn't living in Austin at the time. But I went to that guy's wedding uh, back in the day. So anyway, rest in peace, Tim Davis, a.k.a. Ken Fusion. I have a um, – and I'm only bringing this up because I'm going to take you higher. On a vacation. Were. And then let you down quickly. It's not as great as it initially sounds. It doesn't um, sound that great so far. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I recently read a piece that was – okay, so we were talking about this a few shows ago, how Scott Stapwatch has sort of been on standby for a couple of years now. Oh, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. here's some Scott Stapp news for everyone that's been curious. He He's sober and – a lot more boring, so that's that's kind of what's I mean, going probably on. good for him, not as good for us. But but here's but so I read a piece that's true, that is very true. Here's here I read a piece on him and and GQ, hilarious piece. Well, the guy was alternately had pathos for the man, but wrote this very funny. Like at one point he comes in, like apparently he's really into vaping right now, and he's like, I want to vape. He's like, but I'm not going to vape if you're going to write about it. Will you write about it if I vape? And the guy writes, I'm going to write about it if you vape. He's like, well, I'm not going to vape then. And then he just continues to write <laughs> that he said that the whole piece. It's very funny, but they, they, the the story that I wanted to tell real quick, um, and is that, um, uh, so you know, last time we talked about this, like Scott Stapp was had. You know, Scott Weiland died on a tour bus. Yeah, and, and he was Stapp convinced that he was going to be the new singer for Stone Temple Pilots. Right. Well, it turns out he's the singer for a band that Scott Scott Weiland. It, it's got a member of. It's got members of bands that we don't like. Oh, like, you're talking about Velvet Revolver or no, something? No, no, no. It's called like Art of Anarchy or something. Oh, okay. But Scott, they hired Scott Weiland to write in the songs and sing the songs, but then when it came time to go on tour, he's like. No, I'm, I'm not supposed to be. I'm not in your band. I, you just hired me to write the songs. And then right after that, he OD'd and died and shit like that. But the, but but Scott Stapp is now randomly in that band. But before he was in that band, he was telling the story about how when things were really bad, before he got sober, he was looking in the mirror one night in the band in the tour bus, and uh, he felt the ghost of Scott Weiland on his shoulder saying, "Man, I went through this. 
don't do this to yourself. Get out of this. And then the, interv- the interviewer goes, so you saw his ghost? He's like, well, no, but I mean, I just felt it. <laughs> like he just, he felt that. And so he get, he got out of it. And, and now he's, he's, so the ghost of Scott Weiland is. Save Scott Stapp. Scott, save Scott Stapp. Yeah. So Scott Stapp watch. There he is. Still boring, still sober. But in the midst of his Adderall meltdown, the ghost of Scott Weiland, not the Adderall, heaven forbid. It wasn't the meth that he was taking. Had a, had a little angel hand on his shoulder. I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, I mean, good on him. I, mean, I, guess. Sure. I think you should cry one tear, like the mm-hmm. Indian in the commercial. Well, the, the problem with those, and is then that move on. If you're if you're Scott Stapp and you cry one tear, then you also risk messing up those uh, uh, leather pants. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was just suede that, that had trouble he with does. the moisture. Yeah, whatever, some cow extract, like whatever. Yeah. Cow extract. <laughs> That sounds great. It does. Which describes most of his career. Yes. Oh, Mark. That was a, that was pretty good. I like Yeah, I like you got to get the zingers in early. So, what are we talking about today? Well, you're the one that took all the Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, the part of the reason it wasn't top of mind is that I didn't pick it and none of you guys did either. But we did get um listener get submission. A, yeah, we did get a submission from a listener named Dave. Hey, Dave. Thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, he asked if we might be up to cover uh, the final uh, Joy Division release closer. Up with people? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I wrote him back and said that sounds great and we would absolutely be down to cover it because we haven't, like, for all that, like, every now and again this band comes up and we talk about other work, um, certainly as a seminal influence. But we haven't actually uh, taken the time to to uh, go through and review one of their releases. So yeah, this is their this is the album that came out um, shortly after Ian Curtis's suicide. It is, uh, as you might imagine, super uplifting and uh, buyant, you might call it. Man, <clears throat> you know what it sounds like. <laughs> Have you ever been to words? a goth club on like a Wednesday night and there's like seven <laughs> people there and they're all wearing black and just kind of staring at their feet as they dance morosely? Yeah. That's but it, this record. Right. Well, it also sounds like you can kind of, you like in that, in that club on a Wednesday night, like you can, you can hear the music echoing off of like empty chairs and shit. Like mm-hmm. it sounds a little like that. It's, it is so I'll just, like, I'll throw this out there because maybe it was just the fact that this was the last Joy Division record and. Uh, posthumous Ian Curtis's suicide, but I thought it was closer. Well, I think I think it's yeah, kind of that's a that's not bad. Well, but yeah. it but it, and it has been bandied about as a, kind of a double entendre. I mean, it, the it was the close of Joy Division, and well, it certainly and, was that um, his life also. Well, and you can make the argument that it was also closer to the end of their run. So it's like I don't you know Does this album come out posthumous. I thought it came out. No, nah, it, it, it it had been it was in the can. Uh, no, but I thought it came out because I thought I think the I think there was I think the maybe um, there was a track that was released while he was like a couple of weeks before he died, before Curtis died from this record. It might um, have been. It actually well, may Love have been. and Tear Us Apart. Right. I know was released as a single, right? Uh, but that, 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 was that was definitely after. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, but the but essentially it's like they had the tour with the, their first American tour with the Buzzcocks was. All set. It was on the schedule. It was going to happen. And um, Curtis, who is an epileptic, had been uh, had having increasingly frequent uh, seizures. 
increasingly frequent seizures and uh, was uh, having trouble at home and domestic domestic trouble with domest- the, uh, the marriage. Yes, and uh, and and yeah. So a lot and a lot of that, you know, I think maybe it, maybe it, before we spend a lot of time on on facts that everybody knows, like the guy, you know, that he committed suicide and that the band essentially from that point forward um, regrouped as a new order. But um, all true. Yeah, all true. Uh, but I think that like really you can't start any Joy Division story without talking about the first Sex Pistols show where they were in the audience and frankly there are a bunch of other uh, to uh, be like bands. future pop stars, so, like all kinds, like, like uh, not just pop stars, but like interesting, like come out of left field music stuff. I mean, not not like no, I can't remember. I, mean, I wish I had the list in front of me. I just I just remember um, I'm saying like Susie the Banshees type stuff. Not yeah, sure. Like, not like uh, I just know the guy from Simply Red was Rick there. Spears Mick, type. whatever. Oh well, that's pop. Stuff, yeah, but, um, but I, yeah, it was just. Craziness. Yeah, and the word was that that show itself wasn't particularly remarkable. But but one of the quotes that I and I've watched a lot of stuff over the past couple of weeks just to kind of reacquaint myself with this this work because it's like it's heavy enough that it's like even when I have listened to it before, it's like I kind of have to put it down for a while. Um, one of the things that you know, that I remember uh, somebody saying in particular was like the show itself was not that great, but the difference between a Sex Pistols show and like uh, fucking Deep Purple or something was that one of them looked like an over-the-top rock spectacle and the other looked like a thing that you could totally do. And mm. everybody that was in that room like got expired. Yeah, like was, was like, holy shit, I have to start a band like tomorrow. So anyway, yeah. Well, I think Sid like, Vicious was not in the band yet. Um, you can make an argument that he never And really apparently was. he kind of – Yeah, that's a pretty, you could make a pretty strong argument <laughs> yeah. for that, yeah. Even when he was in the in the band, yeah. he wasn't really in the band. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, uh, but apparently, yeah, I, I read somewhere that um, he started the pogoing trend, popular in punk music, because he couldn't. He wasn't that tall, and he couldn't see very well, so he's jumping up over the heads of. Is that people apocryphal? That, I mean, it's a good I mean, story, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but like that's that's what I read. Yeah, it's. I, th- I find it incredibly funny. Again, like not since we're just talking about the Sex Pistols for a second. Like, you know, the, the Sex Pistols have one great album. They have only one real album, but one good one. And never mm. mind the Bullocks. He's not on that record, but sure as shit, he is the most goddamn most famous person that was yeah. ever in that fucking band. And yeah, he was well, you could argue it. Johnny Rotten. Maybe not but as famous as Sid Vicious. Probably There's not. no way. Yeah. Um, but Johnny, yeah, Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious are. Are definitely the two, and like ask some ask somebody if they can name the other two. Right. <laughs> well, Glenn, what's his name? Glenn Matlock was the Campbell. original bass player, and then Steve Jones. But who the fuck was the drummer? That we'll look it up during the break. Yeah, Glenn Campbell. Yes. <laughs> can you imagine how much better of a band than his like, undercover players, like, like a rhinestone <laughs> cowboy, except Johnny Rodden, like sneering cowboy. through it. Yeah, that's a it's, great Johnny Rodgers. Oh yeah, my runstone cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there were a lot. There were a lot of two B bands that came out of that. Uh, came, like, were inspired by that show. And in fact, like, I did bring uh, Peter Hook's book on uh, Joy Division called Unknown Pleasures here, um, and I'm going to read all of it to you. So if you'll just uh, settle, settle in, in. Yeah. settle in, start a fire. <laughs> we have a, what's the what was the old Andy Coffin thing? Uh, we have a very well, very just, long. No, way he to just go. like without any. 
a pretense or whatever. Just was like, uh, I'm going to be reading F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> he starts at page one. He just keeps reading. <laughs> People are, what the fuck is this? Cleared the room. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I won't do that. But uh, but anyway, like the the way that uh, that Peter Hook kind of tells the story of the beginning of that band is really kind of told in three parts backed out against Sex Pistol shows because they their first gig was in Manchester and then they um, they'd started to blow up and there was a lot of buzz and I guess the next um, like before the next uh, Sex Pistols gig they uh, did a TV appearance and basically <laughs> um, when you say they are you talking about I'm talking about the Sex Pistols we, yes. we watched that yeah, yeah. we watched we watched that well one time. oh the right, one where between the banshees was right. in it yeah, yeah but essentially like kind of kind of told the one where you said fuck yeah. yes kind of yeah. kind of told it the nation like to a, fuck off. And so, so uh, basically, they had like a twenty-one date tour, or some. You know, don't hold me to the number, but it's something along those lines. And they like most of those dates, like fourteen of them, got canceled, just from like local city councils that like saw that appearance and were like, uh, "We're not these guys." Stodgy old Jones. Brits. But just, the, yeah. the Manchester shows were still on, and so what Peter Hook said is that like when that second show came around, a lot of the people who were who couldn't go see them in their town came to Manchester. So it was like. You know, like not packed. just the Manchester people that were yeah. that were originally there. Anyway, um, yeah, the in a weird way, the the Sex Pistols and to a lesser degree the Buzzcocks, but certainly the Sex Pistols are kind of inexorably tied to a lot of these bands that ended up creating what is known as like kind of the Manchester Renaissance, for lack of a better term. Yeah, well, I mean, like like, like early years. early new wave gothy late, late stuff. 70. Late seventies, early eighties. Not even that stuff. I mean, there's other. There's a lot of interesting. I well, mean, and Joy Division was kind of punky but, when they but, started, and then kind of. But I'm saying, like Man, the Manchester or whatever. I mean, then then you know you have like a lot of different sounding bands. Like it, it was sort of the epicenter of, of music yeah. in England, and everything from the Smiths to Happy Mondays, the, and the cult came out of there. Like I didn't know Manchester. that. Yeah, like. This yeah stuff. Do you guys want to listen to listen let's, to one of these songs? Yeah, let's spin one. Okay, do it. Well, uh, why don't we? You want to do the first first track on the record? Just, just randomly play the songs, Mark. Yeah. Um, why don't we? Why don't we start with isolation, and then we can talk about sort of where we want to go from here uh, over the break. That was Isolation, the second track off the record. That was based on an electronic electronic drum beat by Stephen Morris, the drummer. Um, and it's uh, Bernie, Bernard Sumner on uh, on the keys. Oh, you guys are on the... Yeah, we're, we're super close. And uh, uh, although I feel party. like... Yeah, although I feel like Peter Hook always calls him Barney. But anyway, um, 
the the other thing that I like when we were listening to the track, I wanted to uh, hear the end again because apparently the way that the ending came together was a result of the producer um, Martin Hammett had to essentially rescue the original mas- master tape uh, because there was a botched edit by a junior sound engineer. So it's like that was essentially a, like a patch job that just ended up becoming the end of that sort of track. And it, I think it's probably been like duplicated by many, many artists ever since. Yeah, sure. I know. But it was, yeah, it was a fucking accident. Well, let's think, like, listen to this record. I could hear more of like its influence than I, than I necessarily did like uh, Shane has something to no, say. No, 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 no. Well, I just mean like it was hard to listen to, man. It's painful. Uh, it's painful for me in a very different way than you. Yeah, well, I mean, musically, I, th- I think it's fine. Um, but okay, fine with the low so, so I'll tell a quick anecdote and then we'll move on to you. But like years and years ago, back in the Ohms days, Shane, you'll oh, remember, I remember, and we would hang out with uh, Johnny, the um, the door guy. Well, I took some acid with him once. And he put on a Skinny Puppy record. I think you told me about this a long and time And I was ago. like, dude, this music hurts. Like, it was like, I don't know. Like, I felt in pain listening to it. And I kind of had a little bit of that listening to this record. Um, you know, maybe in a different way. Skinny Puppy's more like industrial or whatever. Um, this well, was more like... This rule, that's also like... This whole record is just so depressing. What? Um, no, it's true. <laughs> and like, okay, and I will make a quick disclaimer. Like, obviously, depression is a real thing that's very serious, and so is suicide. And like, that came to fruition here. So you know, as much as we might make light of it going forward or whatever, but like, you know, that's a, that is a real thing, and it's tragic. Yes, However, sir. holy shit! Yeah, it's uh, super depressing. It's very dark. So, oh, Shane, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I, I was just. If you wanted to read something, that's fine. Yeah, so I had a little something to share from the book, and, and um, this is related to the second Sex Pistol show that they turned up at. And um, at the time, Sumner and Peter Hook uh, had been auditioned. They'd been through a drummer or two and hadn't settled on a drummer yet, and they were also looking for a lead singer. And uh, they didn't know Ian Curtis yet, but he showed up in a, a coat, uh, that he had written the word hate on, which seems like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> kind of. kind What's of your hate uh, coat? Well, but they're also yeah. like what? Everybody like has a hate coat, right? 23 yeah, at this point. I mean, but, but they in were Macclesfield, all, they all everybody has a hate first, coat. Like, yeah, 22, there's, 23. There's like some sort of, there's some sort of sense of nihilism anyway at like at that age. Well, but the, and they'd also, they'd all been to this Sex Pistols show that had changed their lives. And so like they're all going overboard and that was his manifestation of it. But anyway, this is the thing that I wanted to share with you guys that, uh, as a Peter Hook aside that I thought was pretty interesting. He says, "Um, of course, we were all punks, so we must have looked pretty wild compared to everybody else, but he looked normal compared to us. He was nice, softly spoken, a sharp sense of humor. On the two portrayals of him in film, this is what I thought was interesting. I prefer the one in 24-Hour Party People. The guy in control, Sam Riley, played him being much more arty and conventionally pretty than he was in real life, whereas Sean Harris and 24-Hour Party People had a bit more of the real-life Ian's edginess and intensity. Neither was perfect, and neither was totally off the mark. But for my money, Harris was the more accurate. So, so at least he wasn't, like, dour, downtrodden all the time. I think you see that a lot, though, like, where people will put out, you know, like, Robert... I was going to say Robert Plant. Robert Smith is a good example of that. I mean, like, the guy loves to go out 
he has like simple tastes. He loves to drink pints. He's a funny. Well, he's dude. been married for like thirty years. Yeah, or some but then shit. he writes these extremely. I mean, like the, I think. Well, and like, that's, for my money, I would put some of the early cure as far as like dark. That's, that's and, exactly and, what and I was going to say. Overtly depressing stuff. The the first song on, I could definitely hear Joy Division's. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yes, go ahead. I was just saying the first song on pornography by the Cure. Um, that album starts with the line, doesn't matter if we all die. Now that's some fucking dark shit. And then it just proceeds to go on about like how we're pigs and shit. And like, you know, the, the, the whole album is. Well, is I, I definitely think that this record had a pretty profound influence, definitely on The Cure. Oh, without and, a doubt. And and a bunch of other bunch of stuff, stuff like, um, uh, you know, just like a lot of that, like kind of gothy stuff that, that would come out later. Uh, it's like Sisters of Mercy and shit. But, okay, but um, here, here, here's the ultimate. Like, Bauhaus. Valhaus were better songwriters at this point than these guys were, in my opinion. And this is this is what I want to, I just want to just make an interjection. Like we haven't, yes. we haven't actually talked at this point at all about the quality of the songs. We've talked about like their history and their influence and how they mm-hmm. came together and stuff like that. And um, for my money, and let me say this with two caveats: number one, I fully understand and fully embrace Joy Division's place in in musical history. Mm-hmm. And appreciate it, and I think "Love Will Tear Us Apart" is one of the truly best written songs of the last. Genius years. tune. This album sounds like your friends' band in college. They got together, played for six months, scrambled for a gig, got a gig, and then they recorded their gig, and that's what came out of it. Like I cannot stand the rest of this album. I don't understand it at all. Well, I suspect that at the time. It right. was like revolutionary, and now that exactly. we've heard all the better stuff that it, 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 it influenced, we go back and listen to it, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't all that good." It, that's my point. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to get to. Is we that, have the benefit of the intervening 37 years. That's what I'm saying. That's what. I'm, that's my. That's my point. That's what I was saying in the beginning. I understand why why they're important, and I mean, you just all you have to do is go skip ahead three years from this record and listen to what Joy Division was putting out, and you you see where they, they these guys would have come. These guys would have become, you know, like I mean, that, what, that, what New Order? I mean, jo- New Order, not yeah, yeah. right. If you no, New Order became really, really good, good, really, really good. But you know, like not to disparage this band, it's just one of those things where, like, I'm listening to it and I understand its place in musical history very much so, and I appreciate it very much, and I appreciate it. there's songs on this record actually that I appreciate a lot. But well, and, I imagine you're but, glad that you've listened to it at this point. I'm glad I listened to it, but it's like so it's sort of one of those things where you like, you know, you have to do something at least once and then you're just like, all right, well, well it, it's a class that. that you had to take for your college degree. And you're glad you did it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad I did it. I just wanted to say like it's one of those they're one of those bands like um and I think a lot of and the movies are like this too. There's a lot of times there's movies or bands and you appreciate their place in the world, but people speak of them so highly. And then other people, not. I felt that way about Citizen Kane, man. I'd heard about that for years right. and years, and I finally saw it, and I was like, "Well, I bet it was amazing at the time." But like, well, but so much better I, shit has come I, out now. I see, but I, I feel like Citizen Kane is genius. But we talked about this. But I mean, what I'm saying is that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What you just said right now is, and that's how I felt about this record. Is that like? Gee, I wish I liked it better than I did, but it's just not very good. Well, and here's the other thing, and this might have influenced like your opinion of it. He's got, he's like the male Nico. No, it's the songs and the. Well, it's uh, just. I mean, uh, I probably have a a little bit higher opinion of the songs than you do, but his voice just has that flat, effectless 
quality. No, he's not as bad as Nico. And Nico, I was going to bring up a second ago, but Nico can't stay in tune. He can stay in tune. He's a good singer. I mean, he's got an interesting thing. The rest of this band has it. They have an interesting thing. Well, it, the thing is, is that I bet it had he. Had he not gotten sick and stuck around for their next record, the one that essentially became Ceremony by New Order, mm-hmm. I mean, listen to Level Terrace Apart. That song is a it's amazing, amazing song. Um, but 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 this, I mean, maybe they would have got there. It's know? just amazing. I guess it, it's amazing, and I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to sound disparaging, but it's kind of amazing to me that it did as well as it did. But again, I guess it's because at the time. Because nothing else sounded like it, and so it should just be pre- appreciated just on those merits alone. Because it was such. Well, a, tell me this: Do you song. think Bernard Sumner is a better singer? Because I no. do. I do. No, but you do. Yeah, I don't at all. Bernard Sumner has the Bernard Sumner has an interesting voice, but he's got the Nico thing. He couldn't stand if somebody if if I, if I <laughs> some, never mind. I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say, but if somebody like put a like a baseball bat to his head and said, "Sing on key," he still couldn't do it. Like the motherfucker uh, can't sing on uh, key. Period. Uh, but what, it, for whatever reason, the temper of his voice does more for well, me. Well, because the songs are fucking crazy good. I mean, those New Order songs are badass. I mean, not I'm with them, you on that. But a I lot mean, of them are. Well, them. and I think one thing that we're kind of missing here, and I think it's easy to, with the benefit of hindsight, and all of the bands have come between then and now, to to think about the difference between live performance and and legend of live performance. As it as it helps to shape like what the popular opinion of a given act is, certainly one that came along and had some influence one way or the other. So like whatever you think, and it's like I don't of the two of the two records that came out uh, that weren't still like that were before the third one. Um, I think I think the first uh, Unknown Pleasures is like is. The Did they have I three records? Frankly, I thought they only had two. No, they put they put out one that was essentially like kind of a bunch of stuff that was left over. Oh, no, okay. Pleasures was the one that. And there's better songs, I think, on that one. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and still, and then like, um, still's got digital on it, which is like maybe my favorite Joy Division song. And um, anyway, I think that like part of part of the legend, like aside from guy hangs himself at twenty three, is. Like that whole like angular tornado that was uh, Ian Curtis on stage. Like any of the footage that you see, like there's nobody that like even today. Like there's just you know. Have you, see, have you seen live footage of yeah of them? I I never have. Oh my god, we should totally watch some of that because like frankly, like it may not change your opinion of like whether the songs are good, bad, or indifferent. But in terms of like getting what was hypnotic about seeing that band in their prime and like the way that they. Yeah. Came together on stage. Like I think there's a kernel of something interesting there that has helped to sort of shape what they've, what what they're what they are. The, the legend, yeah, right. I mean, part, that was definitely perpetuated by his his untimely death. I, I, I think one thing I should go back and, and say um, again, and I want to, I don't want to understate this, is like I definitely under I, I definitely understand where they are in the pantheon of 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 the. Of, of the litany of the way, that I like the way things the came together and their right. influence and but I think greater it, scheme. But I never got to see them live, and I and again, and I like a lot of Joy Division. Just this particular album, there's a there's a lot of just it just sounds like dudes jamming in their garage, and then just like put a they go on for like six minutes, and there's nothing really going on, and there's just some droning and stuff like that. But I never saw them live, and I think that you're right to say like there was a lot of you know, I mean there was nothing that sounded like this, so that has you know you can't. Can't leave that out of there, but maybe 
maybe if I'd seen these songs in a live context with that wash of sound, I would feel completely different about that. Um, you want to hear one more? Yeah, why don't we do – tell you what, um, Shane, is there one that you've been – Yeah, I mean, again, I said there, there's a couple that I – after all of that, um, I think – you know what? I was thinking about this. Like we were talking about the Sex Pistols, how a lot of people said that they were kind of a, a singles band. You know, like the like a lot of the um, a lot of the songs that were on uh, Never Mind the Bullocks, the ones that are really the best are, you know, God Save the Queen and Anarchy for the UK, which were singles first. And so I was thinking that about Love Will Tear Us Apart. It's a single. Anyway, A Means to an End, um, I think, is the most single-sounding song on this. And Cool. And I do want to show you guys the video of just, like, uh, what that guy looked like on stage because it's crazy. Yeah, 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 let's, let's check it out Let's later. do Means to an End. That was a uh, means to an end, and we can certainly talk about that. But I also um, made the guys here watch uh, a clip of what that, sound, that sounds harsh. Like I, was, I, I, I think was, we enjoyed it. I was going to well, say there were like yeah, ropes know, you know. and like <laughs> well, like, like propping our eyelids open. Like <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah, stay with me. Like so. So the deal is that that I think like kind of where I was going before this before we played this track was that that I think part of understanding this band is like understanding like what they look like on stage and like his like that L- weird whirling dervish angular, angular all yeah uh, elbows totally. and what was that herky jerky seizure it was the because i mean they, they, well, they, they say that he would well, it, and i thought about well, no, there, no he's not having a I mean, seizure but, but it, he's not but i was okay would, so i was thinking about this and i know that it's obviously worse for the person who has the seizure on but he had several like on stage can you imagine how horrifying that'd be if you're like there to see your favorite band that would be and, horrifying and the singer falls down and just starts you know having I've a massive seen seizure grand mal seizure in person and they're awful to look i'm at. sure yeah so but anyway the point being um that he does this, he does this thing where, and and Sumner was interviewed in a documentary about the band, and he said like a lot of people thought that he was on something because he looks like, like he looks like he's high or like he might be on drugs in like in the way that his he body. Does. I was going to comment on that, but he was like he wasn't. Well, not his like, body, just in his eyes. Like it looked like it definitely looked like he was he was on something. Yeah, no, it totally did. But it, but appara- according to Bernard Sumner, he was not. And he would just get caught up in the music, and and the way that he, if anybody, if you're listening to this, and you haven't ever seen Ian Curtis dance. Go find some old. There's like the the. What was footage. the one that we watched? Oh, uh, it was a she's lost control, and it was yeah. a it was studio. It was a great footage. performance. I, I enjoyed the, the hell out of it. Yeah, they sounded yeah. great. Again, that was one of the songs that like when you get 
just a little bit outside of what we're listening to. So that's like a traditional drum kit with like like one electronic one head. like trigger thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he he throws his elbows up toward the sky, and he looks like he's about to come out of his body about half the time. But anyway, um, let's talk about specifically about a means to an end. Shane, you picked that song. No, I just think Next. it's a good song. I mean, there's nothing. Dude, it just, just makes me want to really slip up. my wrist. There's, I, I just there's don't so much. I, I don't find. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, there's so much tension in his voice for me. Sure. Just that lower register, and I feel like you know, in contrast to watching the video, where like his body is just letting loose, his right. body is just doing all of this stuff, and I just want, right. I want his voice to do that. I want him to go. That to octave. Uh, I want him to hit that higher register and to just start to shout because I feel like that's that's what's built up inside. I mean, he may have and gotten to some place like at some point where he was able to do that or or did do that. I, I want to say something for a second. Like I don't find this to be a particularly depressing record. Like oh, I totally do. Uh, well, like, why, I, but why do you do you associate it with the fact that he like? I mean, I did I did know that going into it, but no. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's I can listen to I can listen to Nirvana and not feel that way. Um, I feel like the the construction of the music, along with the actual lyrical content, uh, is fucking depressing. Plus, it also reminds me of literally like Wednesday nights at a goth club, where like everybody just looks like they're super depressed. So I, it seems to me that there are external factors for them. Like I don't find this to be like a like a. I mean, I I, it could be I don't like think Love Will Tear Us Apart, despite like the lyrical content. I don't find that depressing. I find that way more depressing than I do this record. Like I think this this one is it's it's you know, it's a little bit of a downer record, but I don't find it like ultimately depressing. Like uh, all right. Well, let's why don't we yeah. unpack that on the other side of the intermission? Who's got middle? Mark, uh, producer Mark. Okay. Okay, as we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast, uh, this week we lost the the great John Warren Giles Jr. Uh, the namesake, the but namesake, not the singer, guitarist and founder of uh, Jay Giles Band, uh, was found dead in his Massachusetts home. He was seventy one years old. I didn't realize that that he, he was he that was old. An older folk. He was an older folk. Anyway, uh, I thought it also fitting for us to uh, to cover for a few minutes with this week. Uh, their number one chart topper, uh, Centerfold. So uh, let's check that out. Seen that video? I've never seen that video before. Um, no, I told you I grew up in a small town where there wasn't. Did your a dad like station. sell satellite dishes or yeah, something? Later, though? later. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> we 
when we got cable, look, we didn't even have TV at the time, but that this thing came out. We just had a guy who would act out things that he had seen elsewhere. Yes. I think, yeah. I don't remember. I think I stole, like, somebody's, like, copy. They would stage the the music videos, like, up on a hill. (laughs) There was this kid named... Whatever, I'm not going to get that, into that. That video is amazing in, in its in its age. Well, dude, and, and Shane's right. Like uh, he pointed out, and and Mark and I had both said it. Like to like an eight year old, that was like porn. It was so it was many hot girls, so much lingerie and like panties. And also, like at what point? Kevin pointed this out. At what point did the having fluid on the top of a snare drum and then playing it where it's flashed up, that became a cliche in the 80s. Like, like, normally it's, it's water, but this time it's milk. Yeah, or sometimes it would be glitter. Like colored water. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's glitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but this was, it was milk. It's a milk drum. But I feel like it, this is, like, this came along right at that time when MTV, like, and that was about the level of of racy that MTV would get, right? It was like this and, like, that Tubes video that we've shown before. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and you're like, if you were just young enough, it seemed like this is pretty dangerous, but now you look at it as adult. I was like, oh, "It's quaint now." It is. Yeah. But can we? Yeah. Talk, can we? So can we talk? Having said that, it's kind of quaint. It actually, it's still a little bit titillating. Like, Dude, it, it, I mean, they I still wish I could. I still wish bit. I had gone to that high school. Well, sure. Oh shit. So can we talk about this? Like the let's break down the people that were in the Jay Giles band. So you have two like solid like fucking bar band looking. Fucking grizzled blues guys, like white guys. Then you have like the keyboard player and the singer, who look like they belong in, like sort of quasi new wave, new bands. wave bands. Yeah, they, like um, you know, Jenny eight five seven. You know, like oh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Right. Like like spiritual brethren with like um, what was that Tommy Two Tone? Yeah, Tommy Two Tone. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Jenny. Then, yeah, like or um. Um, that's what I like about you, that band. You uh, know, the romantics. romantics. Right. Yeah. So these so these two guys would have been in that. And then there's the real outlier, the bass player, a black man dressed in all shiny red, including a red hat with a yellow wrap around it, who looks like he basically was playing jazz in somebody's... You remember in the Blues Brothers... When they have the band, like they're, they're they come back and they and they have like the jazz. They're all in a jazz band. They're doing like a co- like a cover of Minnie the Moocher. Well, um, this is what this like the bass player is like. The one black guy in the band, he's probably like seventy years old at the time. He's like in matching like glittery red hat and red suit and red shoes. Just sitting there in the background with sunglasses on. That, that is a bizarre band to to it have gotten very, as popular as they were. Very bizarre. Wait, Matt. Uh, Ma- Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. Ma- Mark has, Mark has something Sometimes that he we would like that he'd like to to read us. Well, I thought you were talking about the harmonica player at first. Oh no, I, the harmonica player I put into the. I'm, I'm I'm meant to put into the white guy, bluesy white guy people. Okay. But the harmonica player's name is well, at least his stage name, Magic Dick. Yeah, that was my nickname for there for a while. Uh, Magic Dick. Yeah, yeah. So, so when who, I was who also in, is seventy-one years old. Yeah, yeah. Just take your vitamins, buddy. When uh, when I was, God, the, the thing, the funny thing about this song is like it reminds me of like, God, I don't know. It was like when I was in junior high, they brought a the school bought a jukebox and they put it in the lunchroom, and the idea was. I guess to like make you know help the students think that it was a that it was cool because there was a jukebox in there, but it only had like I don't know if it only had like three or four songs in it or if people would only play the same three or four songs all the time. But it was like this song and then like 
I think maybe there was like a foreigner track and uh and Holland Oates, Private Eyes and uh yep. like and I was like, you know, it's our it's hard. So it's kind of like middle you, school is you hard and the enough jukebox anyway. and mug shots for you. Yeah, kind of kind of right. Yeah. So anyway, middle school is hard wait, enough, but wait, I was like Mark, don't change it because I I need to interject. I need to read this for everybody right now. So this is this is the description of how Jay Giles, or the band that Jay Giles and uh, Magic Dick, their first band. The band started as an acoustic blues trio with guitarist John Giles, Dennis, bassist Danny Klein, but his nickname was Dr. Funk. Okay, number one, you're in an acoustic blues trio, and but your nickname, nickname is, is Dr. Dr. Funk. Funk. And harmonica player Richard Solwitz, stage name Magic Dick. The band formed under the name Snoopy and the Sop with Camels. So, it's a, it's amazing they didn't take off. Yes, I don't, but think. they did have one of the greatest hooks ever written, which is the na 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 na. That that song was massive. But it was uh, it was number one for six weeks. I, but it was on the Freeze Frame album, and I actually like as an adult the freeze the song Freeze Frame more than I do Centerfold. Uh, I, I, I probably concur. Yeah, that's a fucking shitty song that you hear in between innings at a baseball game with somebody on the organ. I mean, Dude, like, I am all about it. God, you, you, you can... have the weirdest taste in music sometimes. Like you also, <laughs> yeah, you also hate uh, fucking Rock Lobster, and I, I, I Rock all, Lobster I might def- be the worst song. Oh, uh, you are so years, like, we're yeah. not, we're never gonna agree on that. All right, let's get out of here and go back. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the to the super fun happy time. fun time you sound like party Bozo, hour. Like from Bozo, hey, like Bozo the clown, like yeah. from WGN in the mornings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's the it's the zooification of our show, Shane. Hey. Oh, the uh, morning zoo. Yeah. Booger and the badger sniffer. Badger sniffer. That's good God. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, by part of the part of the legend we haven't talked about with regard to we're getting back into Joy Division uh, closer. A um, listener suggestion. Oh, and before we dive into that, um, worth uh, worth saying out loud again. If you uh, ever want us to cover something that that uh, record that you are interested in, shoot us a note at message somebody at gmail dot com. Anyway, that said, we can't promise we're going to praise it. Um, no, but, you'll get an honest take. Like, yeah, but yeah. there's a good but there's a good chance that we will actually cover it. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, Part of the part of the legend, we've talked a little bit about the Sex Pistols. We've talked about where we land on on the material itself. One of the things that we hadn't talked about is um, that it was the music competition. There were a couple of record labels in Manchester that put together a like they were going to sign bands, and so they did this music competition where a bunch of these Manchester acts came together, and they all drew lots to see like which slot they would go in, and. So like a battle of the bands, but it actually counts. It was a battle of the bands. There were two labels there, and they were like, "Yeah, kind of, yeah." Um, And and with the idea that you would have an opportunity to get signed. Well, they drew straws to see like who would go in what order, and Joy Division drew the last slot, and they were really pissed about it. And so they they tried to uh, they tried to switch their slot, tried to trade up, tried to trade up. Nobody would trade with them. And so they went on at one thirty in the morning, at this um, at this uh, bar, this this 
uh, punk bar, and they were fucking furious, and they killed. And part of what everybody said was like part of the, that was in a weird way like kind of being on the stage, last thing like, that people remembered. Well, it was like it was the it was the first moment where they really started to gel publicly as Joy Division. They were this really sort of tightly coiled thing and in this case it just happened to be because they were actually fucking angry <laughs> and it was you know 130 and they didn't think there was going to be anybody there to see them they ended up on what factory records was it they did end up on yes. factory that's true all right well it worked out it for took him. me a minute to get my mic to it's like, yeah. yeah well the other thing is um so after he died they that tour that was booked they they went on it anyway just as new order uh as i understand it and apparently people were pissed like who, yeah. would, who would, you know, wanted to go see Joy Division, and instead it's this completely different act. And I don't know if they had like other songs that they just kind of reworked into. I, mean, I New get Order. why you would be pissed about that on one hand, but on the other hand, like, fuck you for being pissed. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, their their yeah. buddy just committed suicide, suicide, and they decided to man up and. Oh, tour. I'm sorry that it's not exactly what you wanted. Like. Yeah, sorry that man's dead, so you can't have Joy Division. Exactly but. the way you wanted it, yeah. Anyway, point is, is that part of, you know, what what somebody, one of the people that was interviewed in the in the documentary said, and I don't remember who, it, frankly, isn't that, that part's not that important, but he said um, that he had seen them play out right when they first started to play, like, you know, they originally started. They were briefly known as the Stiff Kittens, which sounds super punky. I don't think it sounds, they, uh, it don't sounds think like they were, a tragedy, they, like like they, like dead. Yes, they, they may have ne- not even played I don't out think, as I don't, under I that think name. That was but just they, suggested. Yeah, they that was originally what they were going to go by, and they changed that to Warsaw. And there mm-hmm. are there are recordings as Warsaw that really sound like the the band that probably the guys that went to see the Sex Pistols. Mm. And and kind of what a lot of the chatter is like is about during those times is like if they had not continued to play, they really, frankly, would have been just you know like any other pub band you know regardless of whatever it is that you think. I don't about think they were really ever cut out to be a pub. Well, band. like if you but, went you to know, like some Irish like. Sure. I mean, I guess the word pub has that connotation. Right. Ever. Like, I mean, don't hold me to that specific phrase. But what I mean is like what I mean is like forgettable. So yes. yeah, and so um, anyway, that's not what happened. This, but this competition helped spur them forward, and and uh, eventually led to, you know, a lot of a lot of attention, uh, which you know, uh, coalesced first in unknown pleasures, and then the record that we're covering tonight, Closer. 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 I was kind of trying to do it like uh, you're the Giovanni, you're the guy that used to work with that ordered guacamole. Uh, guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to listen to one more of these? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Ryan, was there? Was there? I know. I know. This is like there's there's not really one that I'm I'm super gravitating towards. The uh, there, there were there were moments, and we haven't t- discussed this. Um, and you guys can probably pick one out, but like Peter Hook. Is a fucking amazing bassist. You really see that and, in New Order. We've talked about well, it. Well, I mean, absolutely. But you see the genesis of it in this. Sure. All of the musicians on this are great. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about earlier when I said, like, it sounds like your friend's band who's, like, spending all this time in the garage. They're much better caliber musicians than most. People's. Most of your friend's bands. Yeah. That yeah. One like typically your knows. Your friend, not like my. Like Just your, the, the, like yeah, in, the collective, like in, your. Yeah. 
like you, the, your coworker friends' bands, decades. That that's what we were talking about earlier, Mark. Right? That I think we thought it was interesting. Like um, uh, Ian Curtis plays like not melodica, but like one of those things where you blow in it and play on it. What like Willy Wonka does? No, it's kind of mo- it's, it's a harmonium and there's a melodica. I yeah. think it's a melodica that he's playing on. Yeah. Okay. You did this weird thing with your hands. Well, because you, that's how you, you push the <laughs> No, you look like Gene Wilder in, in Willy Wonka. Oh, so it's like an electronic instrument? No, you have like a little tube that you blow into it to create the... <laughs> Shut up, dick. dick. Is, Mark, can you just fucking play the song? Uh, so it's uh, decades... said that that song is kind of the coda for the record um one side note about uh uh about uh epileptics is that that like some like seizures are supposed to be on a on a in the simplest uh way that i can that it was explained to me was that essentially it's the body has a very low stress tolerance and all i think about when i when i see like kind of just the construction of some of these songs and like the whole like ethos of this band was like that whole thing was like dark and tightly wound and like nobody needed a beach vacation like that guy oh it's true uh yeah it just sounds dreary um dreary um, too but sure and, and kind of cinematic um not as much yeah. of the the peter hook uh bass majesty on that and that guy like has just the most singular bass tone ever and apparently the Stones once were thinking about replacing Bill Wyman and considering uh, inviting him to the band, which would have been weird. It would have been, been weird. weird. It makes no sense. Bill Wyman is one of the best bass players. Bill Wyman, in my opinion, is the best thing that ever came out of the fucking Stones, personally. Well, that is a longer discussion for another time. Yep. Yep. But anyway, um, hey, Dave, thanks for suggesting uh, Closer. And uh, anybody... <laughs> No, and I'm going to have to always say it like that. Closer. Uh, Closer. Yeah, and again, anybody else who, if you're interested, just shoot us a note. Um, who's got the uh, Who's got the current affair? I do. So we're going to go again, um, sort of like Mark, how we're going to play something that was pretty similar to what we're listening to tonight. Um, we're going to do um, Humble by Kendrick Lamar. So let's uh, do that. Show. Nobody pray for me. It's been a day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances. But that's a nigga with some counterfeits. But now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lives. In fact, I'm down in this. You say with my boo babe, tastes like too late for the analyst. Girl, I can buy your Westy girl with my base stuff. Who that pussy 
One left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put the baby in the spiral. Soprano C, we like to keep it on the high note. It's levels to it, you and I know. Bitch, be humble. Hold up, bitch, sit down. Man, I don't care if you like the genre or not. The best fucking videos, the one hip hop is winning the war. No, that 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 is. Uh, well, the song finally kind of won me over. About yeah, it's, about two thirds of the I, way. I feel through. the same way. It's about two thirds of the way through. It won me over. The video had me from the beginning. Right. Like, that's, that's, that video about, was amazing. That's one thing that that's one thing where 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 like regardless of how you feel about rap or, or hip hop, like consistently the best videos we've been watching on this show. Or rap video. No, you're you're I not mean, wrong. You know, like a, a few weeks ago, like we, you know, um, uh, that White Cliff Sean video, and yeah. then fucking, I mean, not the artist White Cliff Sean. It was Young Thug, but that's the one where the, like he didn't show he up. He didn't show up, <laughs> so they and made then, the video anyway without him. Right. <laughs> and and then last week, <laughs> fucking Matt playing like three thousand five, just all kinds of fucking cool stuff. You know. No, yeah. that video was uh, flat amazing, and I can't even. Yeah. I can't even recap. I, I just watched the thing. It's yeah, just, well, there's that's, so much going on. That's part. That's partially why it was so great. Like, I mean, there's so many different. But it, it one of the things I thought was so cool about it is how it switched, completely switched moods. Like from him fucking hitting golf balls on the top of a fucking old car to like you know showing like what it switched with a girl with, like heavily made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's just He's co- like commentary on like. Women's booties and Photoshop, and yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask a question. I have a couple of questions. So one is, uh, when did that video come out? Like two weeks ago. Okay, okay. So well, oh, that's maybe, wow. Off the press really now. interesting. Yeah. Um, well, the um, well, two thoughts. One is, um, if you're going to run a counterfeiting information uh, like operation, maybe don't just take a bunch of Not footage even of two that. weeks ago. Like, yeah. So. You know, maybe a little gonna, bit. If you're going to run a counterfeiting operation, you're going to be what? a counterfeiter. A little more on the DL. That's all I'm saying. On that well, they were like making like, it rain. Yeah, oh yeah. With yeah. the counterfeit bills. Yeah. Oh, while they're counterfeiting it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that part. And then the second thing that struck me, I was like, I was like, oh, because I didn't like, I don't, I didn't know when this video came out. If it's been out a while or or whatnot, it sounds like it hasn't. Um, I was wondering if it was, uh, if it influenced uh, Pop Star, the Lonely Island movie because the first track on that is all about how humble the the well i don't the, i don't think there's any i hadn't thought about that before but i don't okay so the timeline this, would this guy definitely like, kendrick yeah. lamar this motherfucker definitely has a really good sense of humor and he's not known for like his bravado and the and the and the name well, there's a little bit of it but he sounds like he's being ironic uh, right so, so the name of the song is humble all in caps with a period at the end so the motherfucker knows what he's doing so yeah there might be a good chance that that it was, you know. When somewhat. when did hip hop videos go from like a bunch of like stupid shit on a boat to like being well, more yeah. hip hop pool well, party? Another, no. Yeah, hip hop pool party it, or it like people on, drinking champagne on a boat. There's yeah. always been like great, great. Again, like I played that hit, that that video from like 2005 with Kanye West, like Kanye Evil, Knievel, you know, or whatever. Like, and that was no, oh, that was clever. That's a funny video, and that's that's. I guess it just depends on where the paradigm is, you know, like right now that fucking, you know, I was going to say bub in the club, but that's, that's I don't like even know what that 20, means. Dude. That's almost 20 years ago. Like, 
uh, that that sort of video, you know. Well, I mean, maybe it's just like cooler in the hip hop community to actually make art now rather than just brag about your I money it, and your bitches. I think it has a lot to. Well, it has in no small part anything to do with Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar changed the paradigm, and now you have guys like Chance the Rapper and um, a lot of you know other other people coming in. You know, it's not an accident that right that that. Um, Tribe Called Quest record that they just put out a couple of, of months ago is one of the best-selling albums. I, of their I only I only know the single, but like the single is really fucking good. Yeah, and the their live performance of it was really but good. What I'm on saying SNL. is that people want to listen to rap that sounds like that, that has a little more substance to it. You know, well, and it wasn't always the case. Well, no, it's never always going to be the look at rock and roll. I mean, there's always going to be fucking. I mean, at the same time that Poison put out their first record, the Smiths put out in that same year. The Smiths put out "Strangers Here We Come." I mean, that's rock and yeah, roll but technically. The, yeah, but in the U.S., the Smiths were a, like a cult band. Yeah, but what like, I'm, like banding about. So you know? a couple uh, five years ago, Chance the Rapper was a cult rapper, is what I'm saying. Sure. And, and I guarantee you, like, I'm, well, all I'm saying is that over the course of time. Like at any given time, you know, you will have, and and you will have different ends of a genre. It just seems know? like the zeitgeist is embracing more cerebral hip hop these days, which is good. I agree. In my opinion. Yeah, I yeah, agree. This this video totally knocked me out. I thought the song was great too. I'm with you guys in that it took me a little while to to warm uh, up to, to it, sync with it. But once I did, I was fully on board. And like visually, I could have watched that with no track. And been totally in. Well, it was like, it was the tempo of it with it that, that took me a little while, and it's a little like kind of herky jerky with the piano, and and you know it's not like an up tempo propulsive kind of thing. Um, but his his lyrics drew me in. Well, and the and the way that the song breaks, like with each one of those shifts, it made it really easy for him to f- completely flip the script on what they were what they were doing, visually. Dude's and, like, obviously sort of, like, really intelligent and talented yeah no it was, so, it was uh, uh I, I mean i'm probably you know i'm never going to be like the world's biggest hip-hop fan but no that's that's that no, one's good good is good good is that good. guy is good yeah. that guy's at the top of his game i keep i kept wanting to bring on one of his uh his last record that just went you know this was crazy and it, it's it's really great but i kept running into stuff like other older hip-hop records that i wanted to, like the last thing i ever want this show to do is is not is to say, oh, we can't bring on like any genre at any given time, you know. Well, no, I think what makes it fun for me anyway is that we all, at least like a little bit of just about every genre. Yeah. Sure. No, no, no metal yet, but that's changing soon. Don't but, worry, I'm yeah. not going to give you Slayer, but. Uh, well, I mean, you could. I can't guarantee you I'll like it. You know what I want? You know what I want you guys to listen to so badly? I really oh, want tell to. Us. Uh, is 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 um is eight to pass? <laughs> no, maybe that's what I'll say. I'll yeah, what it pass. Is. is eight? There's a lot of electronic eight bit music, and I really want you guys to listen to it so much. Well, that 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 may, might be a few minutes with kind of thing. I don't know if that's a whole. I've show. been looking for videos, so yeah. Anyway, let's get out of the show. Ryan, what do you have for us next week? All right, so um, I'm actually looking up my backup just because the record that um, that I want to do I haven't listened to all the way through, but it's it's fairly popular, and so some of you guys might already know popular. it really well. It's not not a surf. Um, uh, it is Michael Jackson off the wall. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know that. Like, I only know the singles. Yeah, that's all I know. Is I know the singles. The not not well, but I have. Yeah, like I think. Well, we should talk about it next week, but I, I t- 
attentive. My alternate was going to be a Jackson Five yeah. record. No, no, no. Um, Off but, the Wall is a good pick. That's a yeah, pick. like that's one that I've never said. I mean, I know Thriller backwards and forwards because it was everywhere. Yes, um, I think. But Off the Wall. Song off that but was every song I I know off Off the Wall I love. Yeah, no, I think so, I think Off the Off the Wall is my favorite MJ work. I but, think that's uh, a great pick. It's one yeah. of those records I should know, but I don't. Excellent. Right. Well, let's get in. Let, let's get oh, into yeah. it next week. And uh, for now, who are you? I'm I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. And I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Holy shit!